chapter 12, if you will, uh, verse 35. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Have you ever prepared for company? Uh, what do you do to pre- prepare for company? You usually clean. You may uh, call and ask some questions. You know, what do you like to eat? Or do you have food allergies? Or, uh, but you make steps of preparation uh, so that you can have uh, a pleasing experience and, uh, and be a good host uh, when your company comes. Well, in the same way, we as God's people need to prepare for His coming. Uh, it's important that we prepare for His coming because He, he says He comes at an hour uh, that we do not expect. So we need to be ready for His coming and also... Uh, We need to be ready because we don't want to be ashamed when he comes. If God were to come tonight, would you feel like you were ready to be before him? Ready to uh, have your life uh, evaluated and and rewarded? uh, Or would you be ashamed at his coming? So we need to be ready uh, so that we can bring honor and glory to our Savior when he comes. And so, uh, Luke is relating Jesus' discussion of his coming and, and how to prepare for that. Uh, and, and the title of my message is Preparing for His Coming. Each of us needs to prepare for His coming. So, how should we prepare? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Look at verse 35 of Luke chapter 12. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. You must be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. O slaves, the master will find alert when he comes, will be blessed. I assure you, he will get ready and have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, those slaves are blessed. But know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Lord, Peter asked, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? That slave whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master is delayed in his coming, and starts to beat the male and female slaves and to eat and drink and get drunk, that slave's master will come on a day he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." And that slave who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. But the one who did not know and did things deserving of blows will be beaten lightly. Much will be required of everyone who has been given much. And even more will be expected of the one who has been entrusted with more. Preparing for his coming. How should we prepare? Well, first of all, we need to be alert. Uh, We need to be awake. Um, I like to, to fish, and one of the things I've noticed is I have varying degrees of alertness when I'm fishing. 
usually when I first start, I'm watching that bobber, and, you know, maybe the wind blows and a little, uh, little wave comes over and hits it. You know, I get all excited. And, uh, but then um, after a while, you know, nothing's biting. I, I start to lose my attention. You know, it begins to drift. Maybe I'll start looking over at the trees or looking at what the fisherman across the lake who's having better luck than me is doing. And uh, uh, a lot of times what will happen when my attention drifts is that fish will get that bait and I miss my opportunity. It just comes that quickly. Um, how many opportunities have I missed to catch a fish just because I wasn't alert? We as God's people need to be alert because God has given us opportunities to minister to him, for Him uh, to the people of God and also uh, to people who are lost. And we have these opportunities that come our way, and we may never get those opportunities again. Now, I've shared with you before about the guy at the, at the fishing shop that the, the Holy Spirit told me to, to witness to, and I put it off, and the next day I heard that he had killed himself and killed his girlfriend. We killed his girlfriend first before he killed himself. He would have been a, uh, but uh, he, 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 um, my opportunity was gone. I had missed the moment of opportunity. What would it be like if God gave you an opportunity to share Christ with somebody and you passed up on the opportunity and Jesus came back? We need to be alert. What about that Christian that's struggling? And if they don't have help from a brother or sister in Christ, uh, they go down a wrong path that affects many lives. And God prompts our heart to minister to that person, and we neglect to do that. See, we need to be awake. We need to be alert, because at any moment, Jesus could come. We need to be alert to the things that we need to do. We need to be alert and expectant of His coming itself. Because he could come at any time. Uh, now, in those old uh, marriages of that time, uh, the, the, the wedding feast would take place. And it could last up to a week. And then the groom would come home uh, uh, with, the, uh, with the bride. And they were supposed to be waiting for him so that they could minister to him and help him. And they were to have this, their lamps lit and be ready to serve when he, when he reached home. Uh, this is what he, he describes the church of God, what we should be waiting for Jesus' return. Because he could come at any moment. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus came tonight? Forget about the tornado, buddy. There's be some exciting things happening. I mean, good night. Uh, the graves would be opening up with the saints that have died. And we'd be caught up to meet them in the air. And the tornado wouldn't be able to stop Jesus. What an awesome thing that would be. Uh, at any moment, at any time, Jesus could come. And we need to be alert and, and aware of the opportunities that we have and of the fact that Jesus could come at any moment. That's one way we prepare. Now, what's the opposite of being alert? Being asleep, <laughs> right? I put a few people to sleep in my day. Uh, some of you are thinking, buddy, you about put me to sleep tonight. Uh, but uh, being asleep, how does that happen? We just, you know, your senses begin to dull. Sometimes I'll be reading a book at night, you know, and, and uh, 
wake up. Okay, I'm going to read another paragraph, you know. Boom. And finally, I'm just out, you know. And then you wake up, and you're groggy, and you don't know what room you're in. And uh, It's being asleep. You know, many people can be spiritually asleep. They're just not aware of anything, their role, their, what they're supposed to do in their Christian walk. Uh, they're not aware of the needs of others. They're not aware of the lost people around them. They, they may know about them mentally, but, but they're not concerned about it. They're asleep. They're, their senses are dulled, and they're just going about their daily business, doing their thing. But Jesus could come at any moment. So we're called to be alert. That's part of being prepared for... for uh, Christ coming. So how do you prepare? Be alert. Secondly, be ready. Look at verse 40. You also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. When I was about four years old, my dad told me, I'd been apparently picking out on the cookies quite a bit, and he said, Roger, you're not to eat any cookies unless you ask us first. And so I knew where the cookies were. Um, that was one of the focuses of my life as a four-year-old. And so there was a cookie jar, and I went into the got the cookie jar when Mom and Dad were in the other room. I thought, mm, I'll get some cookies. And so I ate a bunch of cookies and went in the other room thought, you know, I got away with that. Isn't that great? And Dad comes in from the next room, and he asked me, did you eat any cookies? I said, no. And I had crumbs all over my face, right? <laughs> I wasn't prepared for his coming. As, as children of God, we need to be ready for Jesus to come. If Jesus were to come tonight, would you be embarrassed about certain activities that you're participating in in your life? Certain things that you're doing. If Jesus were to come tonight, would you be fulfilling your responsibilities before him? Serving, using your spiritual gifts, uh, trying to reach other people for Jesus. Would you be excited about his coming? Did you know that there is a special blessing for those who are expectant and excited about the coming of Jesus? Scripture talks about that. Um, or would you be ashamed, embarrassed? You know, kind of like the moment. I remember one time I was walking across the stage when I was a teenager of my church, and I tripped over the microphone cord. You know, you just want to hide, right? And um, I was embarrassed. Would you be embarrassed if Jesus were to come tonight? Or would you be ready? Uh, how do you get ready? Well, uh, you deal with any sin in your life. Repent of it, confess that before God, keep those things confessed, and you get about doing what God has given you the opportunity to do. You follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit as he leads you uh, to witness or to minister to someone. Uh, so that's what's involved in being ready, and you, you make that choice to be doing what God has called you to do. Um, I remember in football, we would do the dreaded two-a-day practices in the summertime. Boy, those things were miserable. Go out in the morning, sweat, pain, uh, go home, and come back for more sweat and pain. I mean, it was just, it was tough. 
But you know what we were doing? We were getting prepared for the season. Most people don't want to do two-a-days, but they want to play in the game. There's a preparation that needs to take place. In the same way, we need to be ready for when Jesus comes, and we, we get ready by doing the things, those disciplined things that we need to be doing each day. I think another part of being ready is that daily time with God that we spend in, in close fellowship with Him. Um, I think I'd be embarrassed if Jesus were to come and I just didn't have any time for him. And I, I, you know, days and maybe weeks or months even might pass before I open my Bible or I, I pray. And I would be embarrassed if that were the case and Jesus were to come. And so seeking him with all our hearts, I think another part of being ready. So we're to be ready. We're to be alert. We're to be ready. Thirdly, we're to be faithful. Look at verse 42. The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible manager? His master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at their proper time. That slave whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. That faithful, sensible steward. Steward was a servant put in charge of his master's possessions. Each of us is a steward. We have a responsibility that God gives each one of us. The spiritual gifts that we have, we are stewarded to use those. You might have um, the gift of teaching. You might have the gift of helps, helping other people, serving, service, uh, encouragement, mercy. That's ministering to people who are hurting, you know, encouraging them. Um, you might have the ministry of leadership, the gift of leadership, administration, pastor, teacher. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different gifts. And probably the Bible is not even exhaustive in all of those gifts. But we're, the gifts that God gives us are those things that we do for Him. And because He has given us that spiritual gift, it is something that we enjoy doing. Uh, that energizes us and, and that comes naturally to us because God has gifted us to do it. Um, also, the, the talents that we have, the abilities that we have, uh, God has given those to us for a reason, to use for His glory in the ways that He leads us to use them. So, uh, we need to be faithful in exercising those gifts, uh, faithful in trying to reach people for Jesus. You know, um, you may witness many times and not have a person come to Christ. I think you will have first come to Christ if you witness many times. But you see, we're not responsible necessarily to win them. We're just responsible to be faithful and to share. Um, so we have a responsibility. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Uh, this is our responsibility. We're stewards of that responsibility. Uh, and when we fulfill these responsibilities before God... When Jesus comes, he will reward us. Isn't that great? I mean, I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be a child of God. But someday, because God is good, he's going to reward me for the things that I've done. And, and he'll reward you as well. Um, so, be faithful. Scripture says, him that honoreth me, him will I honor. You honor God with your life and your obedience and all of those things, and God will honor you. You can't outgive God. Um, when you are faithful in your service for Him, 
that lasts forever. The only, th- the only two things that last in this life are, are your service to Christ, which he rewards later on, and your giving. When you give, you lay up treasure in heaven. Those two things last forever. So, um, when you're thinking about how to live your life, think about being faithful to God in your service. And you'll be prepared for his coming. So, how do you prepare for his coming? Be alert, be ready, be faithful, and finally be saved. Now, isn't it interesting that he speaks of this person who is in charge of others and they're abusing their charge? Did you know not everybody who names the name of Christ is a true believer? There are people, even in leadership positions, who are not saved. They don't know Christ. They may say they know Christ, but they don't know Christ. And, and you can see it based on the life they live. They have rejected Christ and his will and his purposes. Look at verse 45. But if that slave says in his heart, My master is delayed in his coming and starts to beat the male and female slaves and to eat and drink and get drunk... That slave's master will come on a day he does not expect him. In an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. You see, people can fool other people. You can learn the right lingo. You can... That's all right. You can learn the right things to say and and do the right things when you're around church people. But God looks at the heart. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said, you're whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you're full of deadness and rottenness within. Jesus looks at the heart. And so those who are abusive in leadership positions, I, I, I hear about these things from time to time. A pastor in some church somewhere is abusive to his people, maybe verbally abusive. Some I've heard in some cases of physically abusive or even sexually abusive. Horrible, horrible thing. Listen, not everybody who says they're of God is of God. And, and by the way, that shouldn't be tolerated in leadership. Uh, I, never, I, I saw this thing in Dallas one time. This guy, was he was a pastor, and he'd had multiple affairs with different women in the church. And the news was interviewing one of his church members, and they said, uh, uh, what do you think about Pastor so-and-so and what he's done? He, she said, well, I believe he's a man of God, and, and we ought to support him. And my mouth dropped open, and I thought, a man of God? What do you, look at what he's doing. That's not of God. And so, um, and by the way, I do believe that genuine Christians can make sinful choices, okay? But, but somebody who is taking advantage of the flock and their, their abuse, so forth, they are phonies and false prophets and, and false believers. And Jesus, it says here, really strong language, he will cut him to pieces. Literally, he'll cut him in half. Pretty picturesque, isn't it? Ever seen Braveheart? Anybody, that's, that's the idea. 
uh, he, he cut him in half and assigned him a place with the unbelievers. A person who abuses their Christian authority and who is lost and abusive to God's people will have a special judgment awaiting for them. And then he goes on to talk about others who are also in that dangerous position, but not quite as dangerous as verse 46. Look at verse 47. And that slave who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. The one who did not know and did these things deserving of blows will be beaten lightly. Much will be required of everyone who has been given much, and even more will be expected of the one who has been entrusted with more. Now, I believe this, this applies to anybody who hears the gospel. But he's talking to a group of Jewish people. Now, you think about what the Jewish people had. They had all of the, the Scripture. They had the, the teachers of the Bible. They had all of these things in their culture that no other nation had. So Jesus is speaking to them directly and saying, Look, you've been given a lot. You need to take this seriously and respond to this because based on what you were given, God will judge you. And, and so if you don't come to Christ, there's going to be a, a more severe penalty. Um, did you know that not everybody's punishment in hell will be the same? I believe that's what this scripture is teaching. There'll be levels of punishment in hell. That makes me feel a little better. I think Hitler ought to get a little worse uh, treatment than uh, some of the others, you know. But uh, God is fair in the judgment. But the, the point is that if you're going to be prepared for Christ's coming, you need to be saved. Whether you're Hitler or whether you're average Joe out there down the street who doesn't know Christ, all of us need Christ. And the only option is, for the person that doesn't trust Christ, is to face the judgment of God, the eternal judgment of God, in a place called hell. And so, uh, we need to be saved. And so, uh, what has Jesus done so that we could be saved? He took our punishment for us. By his stripes, we were healed. Is that not a great scripture? Praise God, because Jesus took my blows for me, I don't have to take them. Uh, because Jesus satisfied God's justice, I'm able to go free. Um, praise God for his grace. Jesus paid it all. He lived that perfect life I couldn't live, and he satisfied God's requirement for righteousness. And then he died a death as my substitute, and took my sin upon himself and paid for it all, and then he rose again. And the Bible says that if we'll choose to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus, that he will forgive us and give us a home in heaven as his gift, salvation, eternal life as a free gift. That's salvation that Jesus brings. But we must respond to it. Are you ready? I think probably most of us in this room are believers. Probably all of us. But if you're not, and if the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, don't put it off. Because the Bible says that we need to be ready for Jesus to come at any moment. Are you ready, Christian? 
You ready for Jesus coming? Are you, are you living an alert life? Are you ready for his coming? Are you living in obedience to him? Are you living in faithfulness to him? Are you ready, lost person, to meet him? If you're lost, you're not. You need to make a choice tonight so you will be ready. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and I just ask that you would help us to respond to it. Lord, uh, for any that aren't...